I heard a quote many years ago, and I want to read it to you. It says, We are witnesses to the, to the things that no other generation before us has seen. Past generations have seen terrible things like disasters and famines of gigantic proportions. The difference is we are seeing and experiencing them right one after another all over the earth. Brother Copeland gave this prophecy in 2011 in the month of May. And he says, we need to get in the zone. We need to get in the zone. Very interesting. Now, in the natural realm, uh, if a person is in the zone athletically, for example, Kobe Bryant, who just recently passed away, and they're going to be having a wonderful home going for him on the 24th down at Staples Center. But Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson know absolutely what it's like to get in the zone. When a basketball player is in the zone, they can't miss. They just can't miss. I mean, I, I saw Clay Thompson one night. I think he scored about 45 points in the first half. And, uh, you know, they were just massacring whatever team it was, so I left. And uh, it was nice to see, but, you know, at the end of the day, he had 60-plus points. It was amazing. He was in the zone. It's kind of like the basket was just like 50 feet wide. And everything he threw up there, you know, he, he could look the other way and it just went in. He could probably go like this and it go in, in the zone, you know. And uh, so athletically, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, writers oftentimes, they have the creative zone, if you will. I don't know if any of you are writers, uh, but Tony Cook is a very good writer. Rick Renner is another great writer. And so uh, they get in that zone and, and they're just able to write and write and write and write with the creative power of God. And that is the zone. Well, I'm not really talking about an athletic zone. I'm talking about another zone. And the zone I'm talking about is the zone in Psalm 91. And this is where I want to encourage all of us today not to live life on our own, doing our own thing, are going our own way, but live life in the zone. And the zone is the secret place of the Most High. In Psalms 91, in verses 1 through 3, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place. Notice with me, it doesn't say he that casually stops by every now and then, but that word dwelleth there carries with it the thought of abiding, living there. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. So abiding under the shadow of El Shaddai, that's a powerful thing. I can remember years ago when Brenda and I had the privilege of going to Israel. We only went to Israel one time. Uh, we went with Jim Caseman and a lady by the name of Billy Brim. Oftentimes when I say Billy Brim, people think of Billy Graham, but it's Billy Brim with a B-B-B-B. And, uh, you know, we had buses and we would go to various places. And the first part of the tour, you know, we didn't really need to have uh, guards with us. Um, you know, it was kind of a, you know, a safer place to go. So the first part of the tour, you know, we were able to go here and there. But then we were alerted to the fact that we were going to be going through some danger zones. And so at certain points, 
on this tour in Israel, there would be Israeli soldiers that get on the bus with us. And they had machine guns. Why? Because it was a danger zone. Oh, but we were not on our own. We had read the 91st Psalm every morning on that bus. We're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my God and Him I will trust. No evil shall befall us this day, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling, because He's given His angels charge over us. And they keep us in all of our ways. So we didn't go into the danger zone on our own. We, didn't, we went into the danger zone in the zone of the secret place. And God's got that secret place for everybody. It's really a place you never have to leave. You can have communion, sweet communion with the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the communion of the sweet Holy Spirit can be with you forever and ever. I mean, every day of your life. Like we talked about last week, we can pray without ceasing. That does not mean that we're going to pray every breath we breathe. But as we walk about, as we live, we just live in the presence of God. We live in the consciousness of the greater one. Amen? So if you're not in the zone this morning, I invite you to come on in. Come on into the zone. Amen? Amen. And you can be protected. You know, there's a lot of uh, talk about the uh, coronavirus. And the coronavirus is something that started over there in China. And uh, there's a lot of uh, conversation about it. They don't know really how to deal with it in America. But we know how to deal with it. I didn't get a big enough amen. We know how to deal with it. I mean, for our own lives and for our loved ones and even for our nation, we can vaccinate ourselves with the 91st Psalm. Come on, somebody. With long life, He's going to satisfy you. And He's going to show us His deliverance, His healing, His safety, His protection. Why? Because we're living in the zone. Living in the zone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can remember, I was kind of cocky as a younger guy, and I thought I was all that. Uh, you know, I thought I was really, you know, Ed Dufresne said this, you know, about the time you think you're something, you know, uh, something on a stick, God will make toothpicks out of your stick. But, you know, as a younger guy, I played a lot of basketball, and I can remember at the church picnic one time, you know, we used to do that church picnic over in San Leandro. And some of the, you know, homies from the neighborhood were there. And when I see homies with basketball shoes on, I almost turn into a homie. And, and, and I, you know, I was playing really hard, and it was like, I couldn't be stopped. And I looked at this guy and said, you can't stop me. And I thought, oh, boy, now it's on now. In other words, you can't touch me. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, forget I even said that, you know. But in the zone, the real zone, not the proud zone, not the zone of the flesh, but in the zone of the secret place of the Most High God, the devil can't touch you. He can't stop you. You are untouchable. You are unstoppable because you're living in the zone of His presence. Look at your neighbor and say, live in the zone. Stay in the zone. Life in the zone. Hallelujah. 
In verse 3, it says, Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will trust, for his truth shall be your shield, and it shall be your buckler. Now look uh, in, into the Hebrew there, in the word cover and the word shield. It carries with it this thought, a circle of protection. Just, view, just look at that in your mind's eye. Everywhere you go, there's a circle of protection around you. The psalmist calls it the shield of favor. He said, for thou wilt bless the righteous with favor as with a shield. In other words, everywhere we go, we are shielded, we are protected by the great grace and favor of God. You know, I'm thanking God today that I'm not looking at a people that are all bound up. I'm looking at a people that are free in Christ Jesus. And you know, literally all of us have been transferred. We've been transferred from one kingdom into another kingdom. Now, you may not remember, you know, the exact date you got born again. But you know what? The moment you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says He transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of light. Notice with me in Colossians 1.12. It says this, given thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, that word meet there in the Greek is able, qualified us, he equipped us, he made us able to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. You know, I realize sometimes when you preach like this, some people think, well, that's just too good to be true. How could this happen in my life? God's given you the ability to partake of this. He's made you able to do it. And He's given you faith on the inside of you so that you can take what's being said according to the Word of God. We don't want our church experience just to be inspirational. We don't want our church experience just to be, oh man, we just felt the presence of God. It was so wonderful and so good. And that's great and that's wonderful. But we also need some information. Because information, if properly acted upon, turns into transformation. And as you get transformed according to the Word of God, you begin to go from revelation to revelation and from strength to strength and from glory to glory. Amen. Say with me, for the Lord is good and His mercy endured forever. So let's look at Colossians 1.13. I know I quoted it, but I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Again, translated in the Greek means to transfer, to carry away, to remove from one place to another. Glory to God. Man, just think... Before you were born again, what kind of mess you were in. Just think, I mean, you were on your way to hell. No joy, no peace. But when you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you came into the kingdom of righteousness. You came into the kingdom of joy. And you came into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We've been brought, brothers and sisters, from spiritual death to spiritual life. Now we can boldly say, I, in my pathway, is life, and there is no death. In my pathway now is joy, and there is no sorrow. In my pathway is peace, 
and there is no worry. It's good to live a worry-free life. Well, where does that begin? That begins by just casting your care over on God. Just absolutely refusing to carry the cares of this life on your shoulders anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have challenges. But what makes the challenges that we face more challenging is when we worry about them. When we think the worst about what could happen. We understand that the enemy never, ever paints a positive picture. He always paints the worst case scenario, does he not? So I think because we have been delivered from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God, this kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Let's try that on for size right now. Say with me, I cast all my care, all my concerns, all my anxieties upon you for you care for me. You know what that'll do if you really stay in that zone? And that comes from the secret place. The secret place, that zone place, is a place of peace. It's a place of shalom. And the word shalom, as you, as you know, means nothing missing and nothing broken. Amen. And so as we allow the peace of God to rule in our, in our hearts, what, what happens then is all of a sudden the what-ifs are shut down. The what-ifs that come to our soul are shut down. Why? Because the peace of God is surrounding us, hallelujah, and garrisoning about our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One translation says, the peace of God will mount guard around your soul and your mind like a group of soldiers in a turbulent country. So there's a lot of turbulence that comes to the city of our soul. But oh, my brothers and sisters, if you'll get in the zone and stay in the zone, you can live a worried-free, care-free life. And some of you just got rid of a bunch of them. You've left them in here. Don't pick them up before you go home. Living in the zone of peace. We're getting in a whole different direction. We were earlier this morning. But living in that, in that zone of peace, man, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It will literally change the way you think. It'll, you know what it'll also do? It'll change the way you look at Monday morning. It won't be, oh, dear Lord, it's Monday morning. It'll be, no, thank God, it's another day. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen? Glory to God. So it'll take the what-ifs out of your soul. Now notice with me in Psalm 91, verse 2. Verse 1 again says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But notice the next verse. I will what? I will say... Of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my strong tower. You are my high tower. I will say. So, once you get into this kingdom, once you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, and once you get into this kingdom, it'll change the way you think, it'll change the way you talk, and it'll change the way you act. And that's why, once again, it's vital to renew our minds 
according to the kingdom of God that we are now in and who we are in this kingdom. We know whose we are, and that's awesome, but how many of you know it's important to know who we are? There's a difference. We, are, we know whose we are. We know that Jesus is our Lord. But do we really know who we are in Him? Do we really have a revelation of what He has bought and paid for us and who we are now as a part of the family of God and the kingdom of God? For example, look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6. And I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. And from Jesus Christ... And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us. Now, I followed Dad Hagen's ministry for many, many years, and I still do. I was listening to him in between services today. But I, I, one thing he always used to say, did you wear your shouting clothes? <laughs> well, what do you mean, shouting clothes? I mean your praising clothes. Your happy clothes. Well... Notice verse 6, and let's shout about it. And has made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I'm looking at a kingdom of priests. I'm looking at a chosen generation. I'm looking at a royal priesthood here today. When we see ourselves through the lens of God's word, we will see that he is the king, but we are one of the kings that he's king of. And that we are priests. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, notice this verse. It says, but you are a, what kind of a generation? A royal priesthood. A holy, let's stop right there. What kind of nation? Holy. Did you know that living in the zone will enable you to live holy? Why is that? Because you can't be aware of the presence of God on a continual basis and keep doing some of the stupid things you've been doing. And notice I had three fingers back here. There's no way. There's no way that you can be so saturated in the presence of God and in the power of God and be a person of immorality. There's no way that you can, you can really live in that zone and then all of a sudden yield yourself to the spirit of this world. Amen. So it says here, we're a holy nation. Now notice this. This is an interesting word here. What kind of people are we? Peculiar. That doesn't mean we're oddballs. Now we know that there's a lot of odd things around, and we've done some odd things ourselves. But that word peculiar there doesn't mean odd. That word peculiar, did you know what it means? It means a purchased possession. You're a purchased possession. Now, having said all that, What should we do in response to being kings and priests? That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Like I said a few weeks ago, we don't come to church to get our praise on. We come to church with the garment of praise already on. And so when we come together and the verse, there's a verse like that, praise ought to just flow from our heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it's good news, folks, that we're living in the overflow and we're living in the kingdom of God. Now, here's the truth. Jesus separated us from this world's failing system. Did you know that the world is failing? Notice in John 17 and verse 13, he's really praying for us. He says, now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He says, I've given them your word and the world hates them. Why? Because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're in good company. You're not of this world. You're living in this world, but you're not of this world. Now notice verse 15. I pray that you should not take them out of the world, because we're salt and light, but that you keep them from the evil. Amen. Keep them from this world's failing system. Verse 16. They are not of the world. He again emphasizes this. Even as I am not of the world. Now notice in verse 17, he says, sanctify them. He's praying to his heavenly father. Sanctify them, separate them, cut them out away from this world system through thy truth. And then he says, thy word is truth. Do you want to know the best way and the number one way not to yield to your flesh? Walk in God's word. Walk in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Keep your flesh in subjection to your spirit man. And this Word and this precious Holy Spirit will sanctify you, separate you, and sever you, and cut you away from this failing world system. That's good news, isn't it? And you know, you can do it. You can do this. You can do this. If you want to do this, you can live this way. You can live above only and not beneath. You can live as the head and not the tail. You can be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Now I want to give you a couple of examples of this. This is so powerful. How many are believing with me today? In the book of Exodus, God told Moses to go to Pharaoh. And we all know who Pharaoh was. Pharaoh held the children of Israel in bondage for years and years. Many, many, many years. They were in servitude. They were under the rule of taskmasters. And so God goes to the backside of the desert, shows Moses a burning bush, And gives Moses the direction and the assignment to let my people go. And God let him know, if Pharaoh refuses, there's going to be some serious consequences. 
How many of you know when God says serious consequences, there's going to be some serious consequences? Why? Because he loves his people. The children of Israel are the people of God. The new creations in Christ Jesus are the people of God. He absolutely, the Bible says he heard their cries. He heard their sign. And he says, when I heard their cries, when I heard their sign, I came down to see what I might do about it. Hallelujah. Now notice when Exodus chapter 8 in verse 21, he says, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon you and upon your servants and upon your people and in your houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are and I will sever notice this I will sever everyone say sever I will sanctify I will cut away from I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell in my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that thou may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Now notice this next verse. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. Woo! A division. The word division in the Hebrew Did you know it's the same word, redemption? And I will sever. I will build a wall of safety. I will put my people in the zone. I will set my people in the secret place. And between my people... And the system of this world, the Egyptians, there's going to be a wall of redemption. And the swarms of flies won't be able to penetrate it. The hail won't be able to penetrate it. No weapon formed against my people is going to prosper because my hand is upon them for good. Woo, glory. See, I'm I'm going to put a division. I'm going to sever Oh, I like it, don't you? So again, God actually built a wall of redemption. And so the plagues that came against Egypt did not touch God's children. And we see this happening over and over again. For example, Exodus 9, just real quickly. Exodus 9, 1 through 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may what just a side thought when God delivers you from darkness and God delivers you from sickness and disease he didn't deliver you so you could just sit around and twiddle your thumbs in the kingdom of God and just come hear a great message every now and then he set us free so we can serve and I just lost a third of you But that's all right. I've been at this for over 40 years. You don't intimidate me at all. (laughs) Verse 2. But if thou refuse, let him go, and will hold them still. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon your cattle, 
which is in the field, the horses, the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, the sheep, there shall be a very grievous murrain. And the Lord shall what? He shall sever. He shall put a wall of redemption between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And verse 6, And the Lord did that on the morrow. And all the cattle of Egypt died, but all the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. The next one was hail. Wall of redemption. The next one was darkness. How many have ever seen just gross darkness before? I mean, so dark that you couldn't see the person next to you. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 20, it says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. All the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Hallelujah. I would just remind you this morning that the Bible says that gross darkness is going to cover the earth. Are we seeing it? Are we seeing and hearing of just unthinkable and unspeakable dark things happening? From sex trafficking to terrorism to whatever the case may be. There's gross darkness there. But you and I are not living in the darkness. You and I are the light of the world. You and I are the salt of the earth. Come on, somebody. And light dispels darkness. And salt impacts darkness. Listen very carefully to me. The scripture says, as Christians, in this day, even in the midst of darkness, we are to arise and shine. Why? For our light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Hallelujah. I'm about to get my happy on. How about this one? And the blood on the doorpost shall be a token where my people are. And the blood is the wall of redemption. In whom we have Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And he says, on that night when I pass through, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So say this with me. Their cattle didn't die. Hell didn't touch him. 
There was light in their dwelling. And they were protected by the blood. So, you that live in the zone, we that live in the zone, we then do not do life on our own. Because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. This is very applicable to you and to me. Because we're living in treacherous times. In the last days, the Bible says, perilous times will come. The word perilous means savage. The Lord spoke to me one day and he said, son... He says, for the world system, these days are perilous. But for those that live in the zone, these days are glorious. Amen. Say with me, glorious days, glorious days. As, we as we live in the zone. In the zone. How does this apply to us? Galatians 3.13 and verse 14. Read it with me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. I just dropped by to tell you this, that your Redeemer loves you. He's provided a place of safety for you. You and I can live in the safest of the safest of all places, in the secret place of the Most High God. Somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, you know what? That was good for the children of Israel. There was that wall of redemption. Well, the Bible says this. We got a better covenant. We got a better covenant established upon better promises. Come on, lift up your hands and give him praise right now. Glory to God. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. But what does the Bible say? They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We just heard a strong word today, and that's number one weapon. We got the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. How about the name? The name of Jesus. That is above every name. We have the name of Jesus, and we have the blood of the lamb. The Bible says... We overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Glory be to God. Pastor was talking about how were they protected the blood over the doorpost, protected them from the death angel. The blood applied in our lives uh, protects us against the attacks of the enemy. I want to tell you a quick story here. Years ago, there was a, a, a minister and his wife. They lived down in the southern part of our country. They had a lot of property and they had little children. And they were called away to minister up in Canada. And while they were gone up there ministering, they received word that all around in their county that these animals were getting rabies. And that's a very dangerous thing back then. And so all the animals around were getting rabies. Well, he went to bed that night. And during the night, he was awakened. And fear gripped his heart. Has the enemy ever trying to bring fear against you? I like something what one minister said, fear is false evidence appearing 
real. And it's like it was so real. And he could see his children being bitten by animals that were full of rabies and his other farm animals being attacked by these animals that were full of rabies. So he didn't, he didn't just accept it. When this thoughts of the enemy come, when these lies come, we shouldn't just accept those. What are we supposed to do? Cast them down. Rise up and use the weapons of our warfare. Begin to speak the word. Begin to declare the name. Begin to plead the blood. So he woke up his wife and he said, this is what we're going to do. He took her hand. We're going to walk around this hotel room and we're going to do it symbolizing we're walking around our property. And we are going to walk around and we are going to draw a bloodline. And we are going to declare, Satan, you are not crossing this bloodline. You know, the devil's come in contact with the blood of Jesus. And it's never been a good outcome for him. He's been whooped. He's been defeated. And so we are to remind him of his defeat. So this man and his wife, they walked around and they declared a bloodline over their property. Well, when they got home, he went out and he was walking around the property. And he saw several dead animals. He saw foxes. He saw coyotes. And they were dead. And their nose was right up against his fence. But they had all died trying to cross the bloodline. None of them got on his property. <laughs> we can do that. And we should do that in the realm of the spirit. I want everybody to stand right now. And we are going to draw a bloodline. Yes.